This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, Kentucky looks like a a completely different basketball team right now, uh, especially tonight with the return of Keon Brooks. And just how surprised, how surprised are you that that result was what it was tonight? I mean, we both predicted wins, but Kentucky controlled that ball game from late first half on. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly their best game and in a quite a while. I mean, I thought that, you know, we both picked a win last night, like you said, but I, I figured the way this team had played, I mean, you look at, you know, they had to squeeze out wins against Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I mean, games that were fought down to the last minute in both, both games pretty much. But, I mean, kind of shocking how much better they played with just with Keon being out there. But, I mean, his presence was a big deal, no question. But I think you saw a lot of guys individually just play better. Um, I mean, Davion Mintz was out there a whole lot. He played well. Uh, B.J. Boston still didn't shoot it great, only went three for eight, but he hit all of his free throws, rebound, and he defended very well. I mean, really got after it. Had three steals in the first half. As a team, Kentucky did a great job with the steals. So, I mean, there are a lot of angles you could go here. I mean, offensively, 56% was a season high, I believe, for field goals. And uh, I'm not going to say it's skewed, but towards the end, like they didn't score. I think they only had they had one basket from the floor in the last eight minutes, and that was on a dunk. So they didn't really score it off from the field from eight minutes on. They kind of thought, thought they had a little bit of trouble with the pressure there and just cow style to want to pull it out and just uh, do some things. But overall, Sean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big-time game, and I think people's expectations might start to change now with knowing what they can be with Keon. Yeah, yeah, completely changed it. The thing that stands out to me about Keon Brooks was the noticeable change in his body, Derek. We hadn't got to see Keon. Uh, given COVID and everything, the last time that we saw Keon Brooks was the, when he walked off the floor at Florida last March. So we hadn't got a look at him. Uh, noticeable change in just his upper body. You, he just looks different. His lower body looks stronger. Uh, and for a guy that hadn't played in 10 months, Derek is very surprised to see him, you know, as crisp as he was tonight. I mean, I even came out and said that I, I preached patience, that it was going to take a while for him to kind of be worked back in. But I think what you saw tonight is you just saw a guy who was just so excited to be out there with his teammates and was ready to make an impact and, Boy, he he put he put a lot of work in because he is a completely different player. He was. I mean, you saw his confidence there. I know the shot clock was on and down, but he threw up about a thirty footer in front of the bench with the shot clock right in going front of Cal. <laughs> in front of Cal, he just let it fly. But uh, 
Yeah, that was a spam, really. I texted you at one point, and I was like, they got a little sloppy there at the end with mm-hmm. the offense. But I, this is not the podcast to, to complain about anything. I mean, by far looked better tonight than they had it. So, I mean, certainly since Moorhead State, but you take into account the opponent, this is a whole different level. I mean, Ken Palm's a top 25 team, I believe, on uh, or Florida's a top 25 team on Ken Palm. So, or top 30, one of the two. Oh. Speaking of that, Kentucky probably jumped up quite a bit. I'm not even looked at that tonight. But uh Sean, any other any other performances or, or whatnot that actually before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you about minutes. And maybe we shouldn't draw too much from it yet because it's just been one game and I, I think for a lot of these guys their minutes are just gonna fluctuate anyway, based on how guys are producing or whatnot. If you were going to take away, I mean, like, the two guys who you'd say tonight anyway, you know, lost minutes, it was Toppin and Ware. Those guys just played eight. I mean, Ware started and only played six minutes. So I don't know if the plan was to play Keon for 24 minutes, but they did, and he he certainly produced. So how do you see that kind of playing out going forward? With uh, the front court or the back court or just overall? Really either, yeah. I mean, because – Well, I mean, there's another conversation for once Clark's back. Well, there's one thing that stands out to me. And I think that Cal has committed to Devin Askew and Davion Mintz. I mean, given that they're, I mean, Devin Askew played 31 minutes and Davion Mintz played almost 36 minutes. So when you look at that, uh, I just think that that kind of screams that those are guys that are going to lead the team in minutes by the time the end of the year comes around. We already mentioned that about Devin Askew, and now Davion Mintz is kind of a guy that you're you're not taking off the floor at all. Uh, you mentioned it to me too earlier that Kentucky or at Cal made a commitment to play Dante and continue playing Dante. He got to 21-44 uh, tonight. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, though. You know, Sar wasn't on the floor there when they were making their run. Derek, it's going to go back to what I said I think yesterday that I feel like that the thing that's going to make this team hard to handle when they're all clicking is it's going to be a different group of guys every single game. Like, it's going to be a different role guy who has their moment. We saw it last weekend. Lance Ware and Dante Allen had theirs. Uh, Davion Mintz hit the hit the shot against Vanderbilt. Jacob Toppin had that stretch. And then you look at tonight, and just it's Keon Brooks. It's Isaiah Jackson having a stat line across the board. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think that in, on a roster that we've been sitting here talking about where, you know, who's the star? Who's the star? Who's the guy that's going to kind of take over? It's it's been a collective effort for the last few games. Everybody's been chipping in. They have been. Yeah, I mean, talk about the minutes. Ask you, 31, minutes, 35. So there are some guys on this team, you know, for sure. Like, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Sarr didn't play a whole lot towards the end of the game. You know, he had a pretty solid game when he was out there. But, um, I was really impressed offensively, Sean, with, with what they were able to do. I mean, this was a Florida team that in recent years, I, I don't think you ever really feared a Mike White offense. But this year they had been playing a little bit more open, a little bit more fast-paced. They have been playing much better offensively. And Kentucky held them to 58 points. And, uh, let's see, they were 38% shooting. What did we talk about in the preseason? Like We thought if there was one thing this team could hang its hat on, Defense. It would be it could be an elite defensive team, and I think you saw some more signs of that tonight. I mean, a big step forward, especially from what Vanderbilt did the other night. Now Florida still hit nine threes, but think about this: they only went twelve for thirty six from two. So I think that's where you really see that length around the rim and length on some most contested shots oh. uh, affect Florida. Mike White so, even mentioned, you know, Isaiah Jackson 
able his ability to impact shots. The ones that he didn't get his hand on, he he they def, definitely changed and altered. Just looking across the entire stat sheet, Derek, there's a, there's so many good things. Kentucky shot six of thirteen from the three point line, uh, twelve of thirteen from the free throw line. So they didn't take a ton of free throws, but they they shot a very high percentage. Uh, the thing that stands out to me. 18 assists on 29 made shots. Florida hit 21 shots. Kentucky nearly had as many assists as Florida did made field goals. Uh, turnovers, 14. It's it's not too bad. You'd like to get that a little bit lower. 10 steals, 7 blocks. Just all across the board, uh, 25 points off Florida turnovers, 34-22 to 22 advantage in the paint. The bench chipped in with 31 points. I mean, there there's so many good things that you can kind of just – you know, pick out of this game, and I mean, here it is, Derek. They're three and zero in SEC play, and I don't want to say everybody's forgot about the one and six start, but I think you're seeing national guys kind of look at this thing and be like, okay, K- Kentucky's getting it figured out, and now it sets up a huge matchup with Alabama. That if you find a way to win that at Rupp Arena, you're kind of in control of the SEC. What a huge game <laughs> on Tuesday night. I mean. It's a huge game either way for Kentucky because it would be their best win probably. Uh, unless Florida, I mean, maybe Florida pull together. But up to this point, Alabama will, I mean, they're foreign on the league. Very up-tempo team. I actually think this is a game Kentucky could do pretty well in. And I guess we don't need to go full-on talking about Alabama yet. But Alabama style, you know, you're going to give up some points most likely. But Alabama also doesn't defend very well just given their style. And I think Kentucky, if they can play a decent defensive game, can, can win that game. But they're going to need some more uh, some more offense probably. But the one number I really liked tonight was, was the assist number, and it was 18. And I think on their first eight makes, they had assists on seven of them. I mean, guys were, were giving it up. And think about this is kind of a – doesn't really mean a whole lot, I guess, in terms of stats, but, like, the dunks tonight. Yeah. This Absolutely. is a team that hasn't really dunked a whole lot this year. Let's do that so it tells you they weren't getting a ton of easy buckets, whereas tonight, I mean, Brooks' first play, his first points is a lob. He, uh, B.J. Boston, surprisingly, I'll say, uh, was going right for the rim, thought he was going to shoot it, dumped it off to Keon at the last minute for an easy dunk. Sar had a lob for Mintz. Like, maybe more Toppin had a dunk. Uh, just more reflective of probably what they want to do getting towards the rim and things like that. And that was a positive sign, I thought, for this group. That looked like Kentucky basketball tonight for the first time, the way that they play, lobbing the ball to the rim. Uh, The play you mentioned there with B.J. Boston, Derek, that's a huge play for him. A guy who who in the first nine games, he tried to force a ton of things. You saw it early in the game tonight. He passed up a wide-open three and then dribbles in and pretty much gets his shot blocked right there at the free throw line because I don't think he had any confidence to hit that shot. But the big thing for me was he he got an easy basket and then he hit a three. And I kind of think that that relieves some pressure on him. I think it kind of got him going. He started making some plays defensively. This was his best game as a Kentucky Wildcat to this point tonight. He didn't just pop off the page at you and just you know put up a ton of points. But I thought he was efficient, more efficient than what he has been. Uh, got to the free throw line there late some. The play that you mentioned, though, where he dumped it off, I thought that was the play that really stood out to me because I was like, okay, he's making plays for others now. And then there was a play in transition where Devin asked you he should have thrown a lob to BJ, should have held it about a second sooner. 
But then he he made a good pass, but B.J. kind of fumbled it out of bounds. And immediately, Derek, B.J. goes to Devin Askew and says, that's my bad. That was a good pass. And that stood out to me because I was like, okay, this is really good body language now for a kid who's been struggling. And here's why I think. When you hear your own teammates, such as Dante Allen yesterday or you know who all these other guys, Davion Mintz said I think at one point, when you hear these guys coming to your defense – and your head coach too, I think it kind of changes the way that you look at everything and you think and be like, you know what, if even through all these struggles, you know, these guys have my back and they're not going to throw me under the bus. And I think that, I think maybe that worked in BJ's mind this, the last few days. For sure. I mean, he, uh, he's, this is two straight games. He's made some really nice defensive plays. And I mean, we wanted to see him make more of an impact on the game versus just scoring, and you're right. He's starting to do that. Um, he had four steals. Comp- four steals tonight, yeah. And he uh, – do they have any blocks? I thought he blocked a shot too. He might not have, but he was he was contesting shots, doing things like that. Um, didn't force as many – speaking of forcing shots, or maybe not forcing shots more so, just wanted to get your thoughts on Allen tonight with – the way he played. Because you're right, he said it off the top. Still played 22 minutes. I thought that was encouraging that Cal kept playing him. Because I thought BJ was playing well enough. I wasn't really sure how Cal was going to handle that, honestly. Uh, came in, hit two threes off the bat, and then missed his next three. But uh, passed up some shots that I thought was a little surprising to me. He did. Uh, the one there in the first half that he should have taken. I don't know if he maybe uh, bobbled the ball a little bit and then went tried to go baseline. I thought he played well. I thought that... Better defensively, I thought. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Uh, He didn't try to force anything. You know, coming off a huge game last Saturday, another double-figure outing against Vanderbilt, you you want to get to a point where you feel like you don't have to force it, and I don't think he forced it. He's he's a guy that's not going to take bad shots. And honestly, I don't think he's going to do anything to kill you. And those two threes early in the game kind of opened everything up for Kentucky. Once he knocked those down... It gave everyone else space, and then you see Keon Brooks come into the game and have all the space to operate that he had. I think that it's encouraging that Cal has committed to playing Dante, and tonight kind of shows you that his minutes aren't really going to go anywhere. I mean, until at least now when Terrence Clark comes back, something has to give. I just don't know what that is, and, and Cal's going to have a tough tough decision to make, Derek. Of, you know, Davion Mintz playing 35 minutes, Devin Askew playing 31 B.J. Boston got to 28, Dante Allen 21, Keon Brooks 24. Where does Terrence fit into this? I mean, it's we asked the same thing, though, about Keon going into how it was going to all play out, and you see Jacob Toppin's minutes dip, and you see Lance Ware significantly dip. Makes you wonder, though, are they going to keep going with Ware in the starting lineup? No, I think they're going to go with Keon straight, straight to Because I think 24 minutes, like Brooks showed that, like just, he probably – like he'll probably need to keep working his way into shape, but he certainly looked like he could handle whatever they're going to throw at him tonight. He had what six assists all of last year, total, if I'm not mistaken, and he had four tonight. <laughs> well, this is probably career. Uh, no, I guess career high minutes. It's probably at Florida last year. If I had to guess, he probably played similar minutes anyway. He likes playing down there. He's a big fan of playing in Gainesville. He is. So, no, but, I think they'll go to him right away. If not, then I don't. They need to I don't know. Bear lost his minutes so quick, it seemed like, tonight. So, Yeah, and, you know, Keon's a guy that 
Tuesday not being such a big game, I do think it's vital just to get him out there on the floor at the beginning and get off to a good start. Alabama's going to push the tempo. Derek, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to push the pace. It's going to be – it should be at a very exciting game. And I'm I'm hoping – I'm hoping Kentucky runs with them because I, I want to see Kentucky get up and down the floor with all these guys that they have. That's a fun game to play in, but also see Kentucky lock in and, you know, frustrate Alabama a little bit. I think that's going to be the matchup to watch is – you know how does Kentucky handle? How does Kentucky's defense stack up against Alabama? I mean, you watched Alabama today put up 90 plus. They're going to put up a ton of points. That's their goal. Uh, if Kentucky can get to 70 again on Tuesday night, I like their chances. I just think that Kentucky's good enough defensively that if they get to 70 points, Derek, they're going to win more games than they lose. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, that'll be a be a good opportunity. I think they should be able to hit some shots from the outside against Alabama. Um, but I like that Alabama team a lot. I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if they came into Rupp and won. But I also think it would be a really big – I mean, if you beat Alabama, you're you're not in the driver's seat by any means. It's still so early, and there's several teams that still only have one loss or so. But you're putting yourself in a spot that – I mean, what, what we talked about, I mean, there, there are some winnable games coming up after Alabama. I mean, they got – I think Auburn coming up. Yeah, they go on the road to Auburn next Saturday, which uh, they got Sharif Cooper back. So yeah, they'll be a little bit different team. He had a really good opening. Um, and it's typically a tough place to play, but shouldn't be as much this year. But then you got Georgia. These are teams that are ranked in the 80s on Ken Palm. So if you beat Alabama, I mean, you could be riding a six-game winning streak mm-hmm. starting league play before they play LSU at home. So they have an opportunity to – Crazy as it is, and I mean, you you said this, and I thought it was crazy, but like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> they, they could be back in like a spot where you're not super worried about them making the tournament by the end of by the end of this month if things break their way and they don't really drop any unexpected games. And uh, you know, you get a chance against Texas, which just had another big win today. Um, I mean, you're in a spot there. If you beat Texas, you're feeling really good about where this thing could be in the postseason. Well, then I you know I went out and said that. They have a chance to fight their way back to a top 25 team pretty soon. You know, if, if going into that game against Texas at the end of the month, who knows where Texas will be ranked when that when they come to town. I mean, it's going to be a, a game that – that'll be the game that Kentucky can hang their hat on when it comes to Selection Sunday. I think that's what we're building towards right now. Win your league games, pick up a win against Alabama. They play Alabama twice two weeks apart. So you got to win one of them to have a, a good quality win from conference play and to kind of keep pace with winning the league. And then just win those, win those games against Auburn, Georgia, and then LSU at Rupp, and you've put yourself in a position to be playing Texas to kind of put something in the in the positive bag going into Selection Sunday, something that's out of conference because uh, they, need, they need to have something to show for from the non-conference because they didn't have anything from the first seven games. But, Derek, two weeks ago – I think it was was it two weeks ago when they lost to Louisville? Yeah. Yep. We both said that this team was not making the NCAA tournament. I said it on this podcast. I said on Sources Say. I, I've I can't believe that honestly that we're sitting here now and it's kind of an afterthought, honestly, the way that we've the way that they've played and the way that they look tonight with Keon Brooks. And I think, honestly, we, we kept saying we were wanting to hold off on what they would look like with Keon. But then again, 
they just looked so bad that we didn't think that even Keon could fix the way that they looked. But I think this has been a collective effort. I think that John Calipari and his staff deserves a ton of praise for keeping these guys in the right mindset and good spirits. And you're seeing it pay off now. I think that the game is the game is becoming easier to a lot of guys, and they're all reaping the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have been. I mean, I'm trying to hold back sneezes, Sean. I'm having – my cats are killing me tonight, so I'm trying to – I don't know if you can tell my voice. I'm having a little allergies. But uh, you're right. I mean, what's crazy is how different they've been in a week, really. I mean, you go back to two weeks with, with Louisville, and we thought they were dead in the water. But Keon – or, uh, sorry, Dante has a game that he has Saturday – last Saturday against Mississippi State. And you start to feel a little bit better. At least at that point, you're just thinking that maybe someone can change this team a little bit. Tuesday night, he plays quite a bit. They find a way to beat Vanderbilt. But then tonight, like, it's just a total – I mean, this team was up 25 points on the road. That's uh, the biggest one they've had at Florida in over 20 years, I believe. Yeah, 98. So, yeah, I mean, that's – they did some things tonight that are, it's not easy to do. I don't know. There's some different situations this year and whatnot. But – I think you're to the point now where it's not – I mean, you can kind of dream on this team, what they can be later in the year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, let's say that let's say they make the NCAA tournament. I mean, clearly, they're going to pay in seeding when it comes down to looking at their overall body of work. I mean, they put themselves in a terrible spot right now that if they go on a 10-game winning streak and they're, you know, 10 and, what, 11 and 6? I mean, they're, st- they're still an 11 and 6 team, and they still have – that body of work for the first month of the season, but there's opp- there's opportunities here for them. And if they run through the league and win 13, I mean, we've been saying 13 games and what I saw tonight, I would be shocked if they didn't win at least 13, but you have a good stretch here over the next 10 days. You're putting yourself into winning 14, 15 games in league play, which then completely changes everything. This this is a team now I fully believe is capable of winning the league. You texted me during the game, and you said they're going to split with Tennessee. And two weeks ago, if you had told me that you were going to text me that two weeks later, I'd have said that either someone else had your phone or something because we you were convinced that Tennessee was going to beat them by 40. While what we watched a couple of weeks ago, I think we all were. Yeah. Well, they've, they've only been swept by Tennessee once. I know this Tennessee team is pretty good. They've only been swept by Tennessee once in the regular season in like 20-something years. I think I think speaking of 98, I think 98-99 was the last time yeah. they actually lost to those guys twice in the same season. So Tennessee's very good, and I think that's still who – I mean, I think Alabama will have a pretty good chance to stay in the front running. I think LSU maybe. They just don't really play defense well enough, I would say, to, to, to win the league. But, I mean, I think – yeah, that's kind of the crazy thing. I think it's still going to be Kentucky and, and Tennessee, the two teams at the top of the league this year, and like I so said, maybe Alabama. I mean, I mean, if Alabama beats Kentucky uh, uh, Tuesday, I mean they're they're five and zero in the league, like they're in great shape. So certainly, I mean, I wouldn't write them off win or lose. Certainly, uh, certainly not if they win, they'll be in, they'll be the talk of the SEC probably <laughs> if they owner up and beat Kentucky again, or beat Kentucky and win another game. But overall. Really positive night, I thought, for Kentucky. If you think about the defense, Sean, if you go to Ken Palm and the defensive adjusted efficiency, up to 17th now in the country. 
So they're they're close to being. I mean, they're turning into an elite defensive team. Uh, one one thing I will say. Tell me what you think about this. Cause it wasn't the first time. Um, rebounds. I thought they struggled a little bit at times to secure the ball. Are yeah. you concerned long term about rebounding? If Lance Ware's not playing as many minutes, yeah, because he was kind of the guy that was bringing in a lot of rebounds when he was in there. Um, I think that that will be the focus. For for a stretch, it was turnovers. That was the mm-hmm. focal point of practice was you know toughness and turnovers. Uh, now what I think you'll see is I think you'll see Cal kind of key in on that, and they'll be doing a lot of rebounding drills. So I, I think it'll get cleaned up. Uh, you don't want that to cost you at some point. But, you know, we were mentioning Alabama, Derek, and Alabama's kind of got a – they got the benefit of a better schedule. They don't play Tennessee again. So they already have that win against Tennessee. So if they get one against Kentucky Tuesday night and then you get Kentucky and Tuscaloosa two weeks later, Alabama's put themselves in the driver's seat. So this is a huge game Tuesday. Alabama 4-0 in the league, Kentucky 3-0 in the league. Uh, Kentucky, it's a game that if they win – people are going to take Kentucky seriously now, but if they beat Alabama and go on a four-game win streak going into Auburn after they kind of be, looked left for dead after the Louisville game and then all the stuff happening with Cameron Fletcher and, you know, all the, the negativity and all the talk about wondering if, you know, they're even going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, big game at Rep Arena. I don't think that we thought that it would be this big even a week ago. No, no, it's going to be a huge game, and it's a late one, right? I think it's a 9 p.m. tip, so people are making it out the rup. I'm sure Cal will really be urging the crowd on to, to make some noise and to get behind those guys because it's, it's going to be a good one. I mean, an intense game that means something, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think after tonight, a lot of people are going to be looking forward to, to what this team looks like as they continue to adjust. Any thoughts on if you think Terrence Clark will play? Man, that's uh, that's getting interesting. I don't know. I don't know if you bring him back for that one or if you give him another week. I mean, they're playing so well right now. Going into that game, I don't know if you want to mess with the rhythm, if that makes sense at all. Uh, well, on the same hand, how how much do you want them to? It would just be two games still, but like, almost feel like some ways it'd be better to try. I mean, it's obviously it's all up to his health. Like he wouldn't try to force him back just for chemistry. But could you see a situation where you play three or four games with, with just Keon and you start to get a fill and then you try to bring him back in? Like I could see the chemistry being affected later down the road too. That's true. That's a good point. If he's if he's ready to go or close to being ready, then I think you bring him back Tuesday. And that'll be that'll be something to watch going into Monday, whenever we have those pressers and everything. I'm I'm assuming if he is a go, we won't know until game time. I think that's gonna be kind of the thing that whenever he does return uh, I didn't think that he would miss as much as he has, though. I was, I'm was i actually surprised he's missed three games, given that he played against Notre Dame, Carolina, and Louisville. But that injury, what we saw that day playing Louisville, he was not able to do anything, which tells me, uh, you know, that they, they labeled it a leg injury. Did you see that tonight? Yeah, I did see that, yeah. So I don't know, because been, we have been hearing ankle, but... Uh, that'll be that'll be a storyline to watch going on this week. But now that we know that Keon Brooks is back... I think it changes the way that I look at this team long-term, and especially if they start to find the efficiency on offense that they had tonight. If they make, It's amazing what happens when you make shots, Derek. If you make shots, look at your statistics. Your assists go up. Your shooting percentage goes up. Uh, everybody just looks better. And it's it's simple. Like I know that that sounds 
you know, dumb and things like what I kept saying early in the season is this team's just not making shots. And now that they're making shots, it's amazing how everyone just looks better. How about Isaiah Jackson tonight? I thought he made some really good plays and stuff on offense that kind of showed some growth. There was a, a ball that he caught there in the second half, and he ripped it and went to the rim and got fouled. And I thought that was that was really big. Um, a lot of growth from a lot of guys. Growth from B.J. Boston. Devin Askew continues to get better. Davion Mintz is you know, becoming a leader for this team. Olivier Sars found his role. There's a lot to like right now, and if that is who Keon Brooks is, then, wow, look out. This team has a chance to be pretty good when they get it all clicking. Yeah, Isaiah is a guy who, whether he goes pro or comes back to Kentucky, is going to have a hell of a highlight tape for next year. Because, I mean, that put-back dunk he had tonight was just nasty. He has some great blocks. I mean, he's a guy that I'm sure NBA teams are dreaming on. I, I would – I don't know. He just does some things sometimes that make me think there's no way he's in school next year. But he's not incredibly consistent either. Like I think that's going to be his big thing throughout the season. But Do you think that they want to see him get to the point that he can play more minutes? Oh, yeah. Not not just Kentucky, but NBA scouts, like extended minutes. Because right now like it's barely over 20 tonight that you got to see that he played. So And he's had games where he's played you know fewer minutes than that. So I think that's something, too, with him that they want to see is can he – does he have – can he play 27, 28 minutes, 29 minutes and contribute as this thing goes down, you know, to late in the season and into tournament play? But, no, I, I just think it's a huge win, Derek. It's uh, obviously a win that's changed everybody's opinion. I noticed Dick Vitale tweeting tonight who was supposed to call the game originally. And i got to give a shout-out to Danny Manning and, and the, the studio crew there. Uh, that was uh, – that that had to be difficult. To you go from thinking, okay, I'm going to have this game, this first half to talk about when it comes to the studio, and then you have to actually call the game, and you've probably not studied up on a ton of game notes. I mean, both those guys. So that honestly, it, that's why it sounded off tonight is because those guys that was that's not actually their job. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. Props to them. It probably helped Danny that he knew a lot about Sar. At least he could talk about him quite a bit if he uh, got into a pinch and the standing thing. But no, overall it was a a big night for Kentucky. There's no question about that. And uh, I'd say the the people are back on board for the most part. And uh, I'm sure there are some teams that beat Kentucky that that are that were. Happy to see that. I say that because think about this for Florida. Like I think tonight was technically a quadrant three loss for Florida <laughs> as of today. Like I don't think it's like that will improve. That. Yeah, yeah, that's like, an improve. So like some of these teams, like I'll use Louisville for an example. Like it would probably be beneficial to anybody. I mean, any team that's. I mean, you, you want to have as many good wins as possible, and it would be rare to have a victory over Kentucky on your resume and it not really mean anything. So I'm sure. A lot of those teams that Kentucky lost to will be cheering for them to to get to the point where that's a quality win. And I'm sure I think Jimmy Dykes tweeted it, but like if you're an SEC team or a fan and you were just browsing around the night and stopped on the Kentucky game for a little while, you probably gonna be walking back some of the things. If you think Kentucky's not very good, I don't think you probably watched that and thought that anymore. You're probably gonna be taking it a little bit more serious when that game comes around and. I think some some mentality and some attitudes around the league probably changed tonight. And I, I was happy for the kids because we talked about it a lot. That I mean, this has been one of the more definitely the most challenging year under Cal, no question. And 
you just how much fun they were having. I mean, they were all. I mean, it was it was a really good night for those guys, and it was a good night for Cal. I think it was a night the program needed, and they got to keep building on it, though. I mean, like like we said, they've dug themselves in a hole, so they can't really let up too much. I mean, I think they're still going to lose games here and there, but you can see the improvement, and that's that's a really good thing I think for this program right now. You mentioned that they can't let up. Was it? I'm trying to remember who said it. I heard them say it, and I don't remember who it was, but they were talking that it might have been the SEC crew. I don't know, but they were talking about the two games coming up, Florida and Alabama. If they win them, they're an NCAA tournament hunt. If they lose them, they said that they're not making the tournament. They're, it's, they can't recover from it. I can't remember who said that. I, don't, I want to think it was one of the guys I was watching on a game that maybe – Kentucky was coming up next, and they said it or something. But I think that was true, and I think that's what I kept coming back to and saying was that these games are just, you know, massive for what Kentucky wants to do moving forward this season. And they got one tonight. They got another opportunity on Tuesday night. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game, Derek. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, Kentucky four and six. So even if they beat Alabama and they have a four-game winning streak, they're still below 500, which is kind of crazy to even. <laughs> think that that that's actually happened but they're giving themselves a chance to fight and dig out of it and I mean there's still a lot of basketball left to be played this season there is you want to mention the recruiting news from tonight yes Jeff Goodman yeah you want to throw that you want to read it you have it on you have it in front of you Uh, I just thought yeah he he said Jeff Goodman from stadium reported that he was hearing that Kentucky is uh, that Oscar Schwebway is leaning towards committing to Kentucky, and I believe the announcement is for tomorrow. I'm sure it's not coming today. It's we're recording this. It's ten sixteen right now at night, so I don't think anything's going to happen tonight. But um, Andrew Slater, also who used to work for twenty four seven, I'm not really sure what he does now, also tweeted some foreshadowing that he thought it was going to be Kentucky as well. So if that happens, we'll have an episode talking about that. Maybe we can get some people on to discuss his game monitoring some other things football-wise um, that could come to fruition, too. So I could see it being a good few days. Yeah. For so far, the calendar year, 2021, has been good for U.K. sports. Um, yeah. So it's been a big turn from 2020 yeah. for, for the sports teams. And if Sheboy commits to Kentucky, we'll, we'll be sure to try to get something short up and get that mm-hmm. out there to you, discussing it. And then, obviously, Derek uh, – Derek has been kind of hinting at some possible football news coming this week, and if, if that happens, we will we will 110% have something for you. Uh, we did miss a mailbag question last night, Derek, and I want to make sure that we get to that now. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Brian Thornton, his account's private, so that might have been if it was a reply to a tweet. I don't see okay. unless I'm following an account. So I always encourage you, if, if you reply to me and your account is on private and I'm not following Please send it via DM. That way I can see it. So that might have been why that I missed it. But I apologize, Brian. Brian has been in the mailbag multiple times in the past. So we're going to go ahead and answer his question. It's a football one, Derek, so I'm going to let you take it. He said, I'm more of a football guy and sometimes miss the basketball stuff. My question is regarding the running game. I'm an old school guy and would love to see a true fullback in the offense rather than the tight end as a hybrid. What are the chances we see fullback in Cohen's offense next season? Yeah, not good. I don't think uh, he, he does use an H back type. So, but I don't. 
Brian, I'm afraid the the fullback might be dead in college football. <laughs> I don't know that UK's had one since uh, Cody Jones, somebody like that, yeah. early Stoops years. Uh, I don't know how many NFL teams use them these days, but you know you can get the kind of the in that offense. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see a true fullback, and but you could get kind of that h-back type or it can be an athletic type player who can do some things for you um it, i guess i'll just be surprised and i don't think they're gonna recruit someone purely as a fullback either so hate, hate to be the bearer of bad news but we want to make sure that we got to that question once again we apologize that we missed it on the mailbag episode if we ever miss your your question uh, reach out to me, DM me, DM, DM Derek, and we will be sure to get to it on the next episode. Uh, Derek, it's amazing how things, how quickly things can change. So while we're sitting here and everything's good, I keep thinking in the back of my mind how it can flip, on, flip in a in a hurry and go south. This will be right around the time that a COVID outbreak happens or whatever, and they have to miss a few, maybe not even for Kentucky, but for some other team. Uh, that would be their luck. It would be. But the women's team has a big game tomorrow, too, at Memorial Coliseum. I'll, I'll actually be there covering that game. I'll be in Lexington. Uh, they play South Carolina at Memorial Coliseum, so the women's team will look to bounce back. The men's team will look to continue carrying this momentum over into Tuesday night versus Alabama. That's a 9 p.m. game. It's on ESPN, I'm pretty sure, Super Tuesday. Yes, against Alabama, yep. Yep, so a big-time game. That'll be their first SEC ESPN game, but well, other than today, but for midweek. Uh, Women's teams gonna be looking to bounce back. They they played okay at A and M for most of that game, and then they ended up just getting kind of drilled in the fourth quarter. Which A and M's a good team. Had, hadn't lost a game this year, but that's a big one. I don't know how many times they've beaten South Carolina here recently. I know they've kind of turned into a powerhouse. I know really. it seems like it's been a blowout more than it has been competitive. I know. I think they had a close matchup maybe last year, but then there were. I think I know there was one time they went to Columbia and got absolutely drilled. Within either last year or the year before, so that happens when you play some of those elite teams in women's college basketball. Yeah. The gap some of those years is just crazy. Between, I mean, you almost never see undefeated season. Like what? It's been how long since there's been an undefeated full season? In Indiana, right? Like in the seventies. Yeah. And I think I can name like several schools off the top of my head in women's basketball have had undefeated seasons. So sometimes the gap there is large. And I think for South Carolina. They, they had definitely entered that kind there's, of elite elite territory in college there's, basketball. There's not as much parity on the women's side as yeah. there is on the men's side. So when you, you have your handful of elite teams, if you have three, you can – most of the time you can identify three to four teams in women's basketball that, that are capable of winning the national championship, and you feel pretty good that one of them wins it. On the men's side, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as easy. But I, that's going to be interesting to see how the transfer portal even even impacts that side of the collegiate game on the women's side. I mean, that's obviously something, Derek, that every coach in America is going to have to deal with very soon. You're already seeing it now with uh, Sheboy and stuff. Kentucky could have him in practice probably a week from now, getting ready, helping this team prepare, and getting ready for next year if he decides to commit to Kentucky. So it's crazy to think that that's where we are right now in the collegiate game across all these sports. But – uh, whatever breaks tomorrow and in the coming week, we will be sure to get it out there to you. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. I always want to give a shout-out to the Butcher's Pub for their continued support. Uh, two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check out both Facebook pages. One is face uh, the Butcher's Pub Williamsburg, and the other is the Butcher's Pub Pineville. Uh, he's Derek Terry, 
I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.